This is Why We Write, a podcast of Leslie University. Every episode, we bring you authors from the Leslie community to talk about books, writing, and the writing life. Today's guest is Margaret F. Chen. Margaret is an alum of our MFA in creative writing program and the author of Suburban Gothic, 15 short stories set in suburbs across America. Her work, including many of the stories in this collection, have appeared in literary magazines, including Carolina Quarterly, The Medulla Review, Monkey Bicycle, and very fittingly, Midwestern Gothic. So hello, Margaret. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here today. Oh, it's great to have you. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this book. So as I said in the intro, all of your stories in this collection take place in the suburbs. And I read in your bio that you've lived in maybe at least seven different suburbs across the U.S. First, why why is that true? And, um, and how has it shaped your writing? Oh, um, yeah. So, oh, I didn't even count, but seven sounds about right. Worry, I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, I, I don't definitely wasn't planned on my part for probably the first half of my life. Um, and then it just, it just ended up being, I just feel like it's probably the most commonplace type of environment to live in around this, um, in America. So I have lived in short, short time periods in the city and in the country, but Yes, most of my life has been spent in the suburbs. I just probably got used to it growing up. And like the suburbs definitely have a big place in like American culture. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, I mean, I think there's like the whole gamut, like sitcoms are often set in suburbs. There's mm-hmm. like horror films, you know, I mean, just, just, just every genre, I guess, um, tackles suburbs and what it's like to live there. And there's lots of satire and all, all that. Um, when you're writing about suburbs first, is it something that you found yourself doing subconsciously or was it intentional? And like, you know, what are the suburbs to you? Like, how do you describe them? I don't think it was intentional on my part to write specifically about suburbs or to have a collection of stories centered around suburbs. Um, It just happened that a lot of my stories were set in those um, areas. And I didn't really plan on having this theme of, you know, how strange the suburbs can be and the kind of, like, how strange people can be living in the suburbs. So I just um, wrote my stories and then I just realized, wow, these are all in these really um, innocuous neighborhoods and this is kind of cool. So <laughs> but the stories themselves aren't, you know, they're very different. They're strange. People are weird and, um, but they're, you know, they're the living behind these really almost facades. So um, mm. I just found that really interesting. Yeah. The, the suburbs, like you said, they do, there is sort of a, yeah, a facade where, you know, it's sort of meant to look a certain way. It's like we've yeah. made it to the suburbs, yeah. <laughs> like we right. moved out of the big city and now we have our home and our like half acre, quarter acre land or whatever in our yard and our, you know, two kids. Um, and yeah, it's it's set up often as an ideal. And so I think, um, yeah, I'd love to talk about the first story in the collection, which I think is the one that stuck with me the most. Um, the Jongs and the Zoomins. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's, 
Sure. <laughs> Network. Yeah. <laughs> and um, for those who haven't read the book yet, it's about this young couple. They buy their first house and they have these kind of messy, chaotic neighbors next door. And Annie, the wife, she gets really fed up with just having to kind of deal with these people. And eventually that leads her to say, like, we've got to move. They rent the house out. And this new couple comes in and completely transforms everything like from the house to the relationship with these um, neighbors and all of a sudden it's totally different and so I was really curious about this story and just kind of where that idea for that came from we actually did live in a neighborhood Um, I was married at the time I had a young child and we actually did live next door to a family that was very similar to um, the Zoomins, and they were really fascinating. Um, they were very much like how I described in the story, and, um, the, and we did, in fact, um, end up moving away because you know it just felt like we weren't going to ever (laughs) enjoy living there Mm. um and um and quite frankly i did have um i did rent out the house and did have a couple who ended up being very much like the couple in the story Mm. so it it was very much a um story that was very transformative for me in a way because I saw that here is or this woman who has the brings these preconceived notions of how people should be or how you should live and or just these set ways of um, how she wanted to live in this house and just seemed like she couldn't see beyond her little narrow uh, in a in a way, it was a kind of narrow view of mm-hmm. how people should be and not really seeing the, these neighbors um, as even, um, you know, just, she just didn't understand them and um, getting becoming fearful of them, actually. So when the, the new couple that moves in um, seems to present that um, another perspective, which transforms the neighbors themselves, the family that was formerly so difficult. Sometimes how you treat people um, really does influence how um, you're treated back or what Mm -hmm. kind of world you're living and you're putting yourself in. It really is the perspective too, because the new couple comes in and they maybe don't immediately judge the Zoomans, you know? Um, And then you find out too, I think, I hope it's not too much of a spoiler, but like, you know, Annie's not maybe the most happy with her own situation, you know, Mm -hmm. like she, and so you see how that colors maybe some of the ways that she sees other people. Um, But there is sort of like, I I kind of kept waiting, like, is there going to be something sinister about this family? (laughs) And like, the book is Suburban Gothic is the name of it. And there, there really wasn't. But it was like, there's, there's always kind of that potential, maybe in the suburbs, or just when you when something doesn't isn't like what you're used to, to think of it as a bit sinister. So I'm curious, kind of that idea of like, there were a couple of, um, 
there were a couple of stories. One that was kind of more of a horror story. <laughs> I'm, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but, you know, most of the stories, they are these people who are fairly mundane, just kind of your everyday folks. But something there's something ominous going on or there's something that seems just not quite right. And I was curious if you could kind of explore or talk a little bit about that feeling or like putting those, putting that feeling out there in your stories, considering they are like people that are very relatable, like a single mom or, you know, a couple that's looking for a daycare for their kid. And yet something seems not quite right. Yeah, I think um, that is a theme that really fascinated me when I was creating these stories or writing these. A lot of things just aren't the way that they seem. And I don't know if this is a story you're speaking of, but there is one where the mother tries to find a school. It looks absolutely perfect, like a fairy Mm -hmm. tale type of place. It's very clean and everyone seems friendly, but then it turns out to be terrible. And um, again, that doesn't sound like really you know, like super um, different or it it, it means something that happens all the time. And yet it's something that happens over and over and over. So Mm -hmm. you just still, you know, you still believe in things that are presented to you and you believe people. And Mm -hmm. yet when you really come, when it comes down to it and you do try to figure out the truth of, what the situation is, it can be quite, it can be very, very different. So um, I did find that to be very interesting to me. Do they really want to believe what's underneath that? You know, do they really want to see what's the truth behind it or not? We'll be back after a quick break. It occurred to me that you, dear listeners, might not know much about our MFA in creative writing program. At Leslie, you can develop your craft in six genres, fiction, nonfiction, poetry, writing for young adults, writing for stage and screen, and graphic novels and comics. Our faculty are award-winning, practicing writers who offer one-on-one mentorship throughout the year. It's a low residency program, so our students come to campus just twice a year, nine days in the summer and nine days in the winter. The rest of the time they work on their writing from home, communicating with their mentors and peers virtually. So you get the best of both worlds, face-to-face time with faculty and your fellow writers without having to uproot your family, life, or job. Of course, if you want to move to Cambridge to be close to us, we won't say no. If you're considering an MFA program, check us out. You won't find a more supportive or encouraging program. And this podcast is proof of what our alums and renowned faculty accomplish. Learn more at leslie.edu slash writers. There's also a link in the show notes. Okay, back to the interview. So another theme I noticed in several stories was like about motherhood and, um, you know, a lot of times you think of like suburban moms, they're kind of like the queen bee, <laughs> maybe, mm-hmm. or, you know, they, they rule the house and they have, you know, their nails are done and they're often, you know, maybe not, not always, but there's this idea that they're all like stay at home moms and, you know, uh-huh. have this wonderful life and right. um, make casseroles maybe or something. I don't know if that's too many fifties, you know, it's not, it's not true, but there's maybe this idea that that's the way it is. Um And yet one of your stories, um, Kite is the name of it. There's a single mom 
And so she doesn't really fit any of these stereotypes. She's single. She moves to the suburbs where most people are married. It's her hometown where she grew up. And she just has this young son. I was wondering, would you talk a little bit about that idea of kind of challenging or how how maybe your stories are challenging what modern suburban motherhood really is? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so going back again to like why I write these kind of stories about the suburbs, it's not only about the how um, pe- things aren't what they seem, but it's also about people not really fitting in or feeling like they fit in to certain Mm -hmm. environments. Um, I've certainly felt that way in many of the neighborhoods I've lived in. And it's, I would say it's not um, something that I think people plan. They don't, you know, it's not like people don't make it, are trying to make you feel uncomfortable or anything like that at all. Mm -hmm. It's just, myself, you know, being someone new in a new environment, it's always going to be a little bit of a challenge to try to adjust. Um, So in that story, I definitely did address that, even though this is someplace where the mother had grown up and she knew these people. um, I think my idea in that story was that she just didn't ever really fit in any, even from the beginning. So, but it's, was, um, I think it's a feeling that was very much intensified when, um, during the, in the situation that I described in the story. So especially Mm -hmm. when she needed help and there was really no one, definitely a little bit more darker Mm -hmm. (laughs) aspect of, um, kind of being alone in the suburbs and not really being the typical family living out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is, yeah, because she's, like, from needing help with, like, stuff at her apartment, yeah, or, her, her, like, you know, yeah, and, like, the kite gets stuck in the tree, and it's a really nice kite that she bought yeah. for her son, and it's just there's no way to get it down. It's just, like, that frustrating <laughs> thing of, like, it's right there, and I can't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everybody kind of just walks by, and they're like, eh, which is, you know, kind of ironic, considering the mm-hmm. suburbs is supposed to be friendly and open yeah. and mm-hmm. community-based mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, yeah. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. It happens everywhere. Um, but yeah, like it, that feeling of alienation. Right, right. Um, so shifting gears a, a bit. So I noticed all of these uh, obviously are short stories. Is Are you a confirmed short story writer? Is that your main mode of writing? Yes, I, I definitely enjoy short stories the most. And I, I enjoy reading short stories the most and mm-hmm. writing them. Um, I have written um, a few novels. I just didn't, I didn't really feel they showed my best ability or my, I just didn't feel I turned out as, turned out very well. And um, I tend to like enjoy getting an idea and then sitting down and just um, having that whole idea already presented as a story. When did you first start writing short stories? Um, I started writing stories when I was about uh, I was in the third or fourth grade. I also illustrated my stories. <laughs> I wrote about animals, you know. And so you didn't start out writing about the suburbs in third grade. <laughs> <laughs> no, they. <laughs> but I did write about families starting at a fairly young. I had a 
friend mm-hmm. that I collaborated on a book with when I was in fifth grade. And it was, in fact, about a family. And you're a graduate, as I said, at the top of the show of our creative writing MFA program. So did you focus, what did you focus on there? And, you know, what, what brought, what led you to, to take that step in your writing career? I always felt like I had to keep trying and keep improving and um, just keep working at my writing. So I just kept taking classes even before I applied to Leslie. I was taking writing classes at um, UCLA Extension and I've just kept trying to improve my craft basically. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, the MFA seemed like the culmination of uh, like uh, that effort (laughs) to try Mm -hmm. to do just, you know, keep learning and trying to my best to create the best stories I can. What, do you mind if I ask what your what your day job is? Oh gosh, that is a great. <laughs> I've actually held many many different jobs, and my first degree was in finance. So um, mm-hmm. I have done everything from advertising, and um, I've been office manager. I've done restaurant work. Currently, um, I work at a store. I'm a um, an assistant manager, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so you know, um, it's fine, but for a day job, it's um, just something new, I guess. Do you feel like that day job is helps with the writing career or does it give you the, the space? To write? <sighs> well, um, cause that's the hard thing is, you know, writing yeah, at the end of the day. That is definitely a challenge. And I, I, I do find that when I'm working a lot, I don't have the time to sit down and write at all actually so um i've had to take breaks between jobs to be able to complete um the mfa program so mm-hmm. even when it was getting towards the end i was working at a bookstore it's like i i really need to focus on finishing my my degree so um and the problem with not being an mfa program now is that it's so easy to just like, oh, I'll just, you know, right when I come back home and it doesn't happen. <laughs> and so, but the school kept me like, um, they have deadlines and I had to do it. So, um, yeah, accountability yeah. is really nice. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's true. Suburban Gothic came out in 2020, and I noticed that you got a starred review in Kirkus, which I imagine is not an everyday occurrence for a self-published book. Um, they also talked to you about your your path to publication and like why you chose self-publishing. Um, so why was that option appealing to you? Um, well, I would say about half of the stories in that collection were already in um, journals, online journals and and print journals. So I felt like um, to I, I felt like it was going to be very difficult for me to get my short stories together in a collection and actually find an agent and a publisher for them. So um, I did try and. Um, I finally just, I just came to the conclusion that if I wanted to actually get these stories published together, um, I, I was going to explore different options, including self-publishing. And um, it seems like that self-publishing has 
had come a long way from the times when, you know, there were a lot of sketchy um, companies and out there. And, mm-hmm. and I happened to be in one of my favorite bookstores locally. And I didn't, I had no idea that they also published books. And I was very excited. So I met with the person who was in charge there and we got along really well. Um, he's an awesome graphic designer and um, he helped me um, get started with that. So um, it was just a, a great connection with a local bookshop that I happened mm-hmm. to really like and I connected well with a person who would actually put it together for me. So that was um, a great, I just, that was just very lucky, I think. Um, and, and that's politics and prose bookstore yeah, in yeah, D.C., exactly. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to all the independent <laughs> bookstores. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes. That's the other thing is that, I, yeah, I really wanted to support that whole endeavor as well. So, you know, that whole yeah. thing. Um, so that was my route to getting Suburban Gothic out. He happened to really like my stories and just, mm. you know, we were like on the same wavelength about how to design it and. Um, I love the cover that he created. It's so, so cool. Yeah, yeah it, it's it was so awesome. just great. Um, and so, yeah, I felt very fortunate that I had that opportunity. Um, also, another reason I wanted to go that path, you know, even before I met um, Gareth at Politics and Prose, these were stories that had been published like a while ago and I was getting kind of tired of them. I wanted to like just <laughs> kind of put them away, mm-hmm. but I want them like in a nice collection, you know, if not for just myself, you know, it's like, Oh, I wanted to kind of see it together and, um, but also kind of move on to other things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what are you working on next or currently? I actually had just finished a novel, um, let's see during the summer and um i'm going to try to um go back and edit that novel polish it up and see if it is something i still like um i'm going to go back to short stories again (laughs) yeah that's your medium (laughs) yes yeah definitely yeah well that sounds great things how the name of our podcast is why we write why do you write i don't know (laughs) i just (laughs) I've just written since I was little. It was just, it's my outlet, you know, for mm-hmm. um, expressing myself and just um, capturing ideas that I have that I think are really fun or fascinating, not always fun, but, you know, fascinating, um, that are, are interesting, that I want to share with people. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I feel like it's just one of, it's like, when people enjoy playing certain instruments or have other like sports or something they enjoy doing. I feel like this is my way, you know, of spending time doing something I really like and um, doing something creative. Yeah, that's great. So thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Georgia, for having me here again. It's a pleasure. Margaret Chen's book, Suburban Gothic, is available from Politics and Prose, as is her 2019 book of short stories, Three Terrible Tales. The link to those and her interview with Kirkus are in our show notes. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite app. And we'd love it if you'd recommend it to a friend. We'll be back in a few weeks.